Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's going to be a great month of study, and uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord is going to do and speak into our heart and our lives. And I sure hope you're enjoying these series. Amen. It kind of gives us uh, several weeks to sit down around one central theme and and, uh, and then to hear it from different perspectives, and uh, I appreciate that. I'm very, very thankful for everybody that contributes to uh, these lessons. We've been blessed to have some great, some great teachers. Amen. I want you to turn with me, if you will, in the book of Proverbs, chapter three, verses nine and ten. And while you're finding that, I want to say a heartfelt thank you to our entire church family for all that you've done for the Gibson family, not just yesterday, but certainly leading up to yesterday. And what a tremendous um, what a tremendous service to honor his life yesterday. And and um, we're we're back here today because this is exactly where he would want us to be. And we're doing exactly what he would want us to do. So uh, we're not carrying on as though it never happened, but we're here today in honor of him. The book of Proverbs, chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Well, who wouldn't want to camp out at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10? So I'll just buy me a piece of property right here. And... uh, We'll just set up our homestead. This is where we'll live. That we are going to have barns that are filled with plenty. And presses are going to burst with new wine. But I think maybe to get a a little better understanding of this passage of Scripture, I want to to go back a little bit into uh, the beginning portion of this chapter. And if so, if you have your Bible and you would like to do that, uh, that'll be fine. If not, follow along on the screen. We have several scriptures that are there. And uh, I, w- I want to go back just a little bit and, and let's kind of recap a few verses and sort of see this in context. And uh, I, I maybe the key verse, I don't know, um, maybe the key verses of this chapter would be verses 5 and 6. And we're going to come back to 9 and 10. And, uh, but if we're going to just look here at verse 5 and 6 and a few other verses. But the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, that is a broad statement. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Wow. Amen. We're talking about promise pact scriptures today and so these passages of scripture certainly 
verses 5 and 6 have, have been a promise that many, many people have claimed through the years. We have laid hold on that and claimed stake to that. We're going to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And uh, we're going to do our best not to lean to our own understanding. We, we have probably trod around in these passages a little bit. While we were seeking for direction from the Lord, we were understanding that we can't afford to, to whimsically give in to what we think is best. Because we can only see life one moment at a time at best. And so we can't just whimsically do that. But we know that God's promises never fail us and, and, and that emphatically God does keep His promises. He doesn't feel any obligation to fulfill them in our time frame because He is not relegated to time. He doesn't feel any obligation whatsoever to do it in a way that we think it ought to be done. God is God and God is sovereign. But God keeps His promises. When we obey His, pre- His precepts, our obedience prepares us to receive and enjoy what God has planned for us. And I think it's important to understand that God does have a plan for us. Amen. We live, again, life one day at a time and we can make plans and certainly... I, I really am a person that likes to have a plan. I want to know where we're going, how this is going to unfold, what we're going to do. Amen. God has a plan, and, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And I, I do my best at times to not get caught up in trying to figure out the plan of God for my life. But I have to rest in the fact that He does have one. Amen. And so our obedience to God's Word and putting God's Word first and putting God first... Amen. That that sets us in a position for God to be able to work out His plan in our life. Amen. And so we need to put the kingdom of God and the work of God and the house of God at the very top of our list. Amen. Don't ever accept anything in life that you consider to be a promotion or anything that you think is going to better you if it's going to come between you and God, you and the house of God, you and prayer time. You're not winning when you do that. I'll promise you. You may be winning on the scorecard of life, but you are not winning in the overall plan of God. Because I'll promise you that that the Lord can bless what we don't have. Absolutely, He can bless what we don't have and, uh, and, and, and work it all out if we just commit ourselves to keeping Him first. Amen. However, like anything else with God... There are conditions that must be met. And uh, the first condition for receiving God's guidance is that we must learn God's truth. And so I want us to go all the way back to the beginning of this chapter in Proverbs 1. And uh, we'll read verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and, and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Bind mercy and truth about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Amen. So here it is. The will of God. This plan of God that we were mentioning a moment ago. The will of God is revealed by the Word of God. And the only way to know His will is to study His Word. And obey it. We have to walk in the truth that we know. You have to walk in the understanding that you have. 
or there'll be no new revelation or no greater understanding. We have to walk in the understanding that we have. When I first started uh, in the ministry, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what I know today because I didn't have the years of experience. But I had to start some. I couldn't just sit in a corner for 30 years. And they said, well, now I'll start because I've got 30 years of experience. It was 30 years of ups and 30 years of downs, and, and it was 30-plus uh, years of that. It, it has been uh, good decisions and bad decisions, and for the last 30 years, you've been a part of that. <laughs> a part of that. Thank you for the ride. Thank you for staying on board. Good times and bad times. But the Word of the Lord, the Word of the Lord, that's where we find His will and direction, and we receive that Word within our heart. And as we receive that word, we begin to grow in godly character. Things begin to take root in us. And that makes room for mercy and truth to become a part of our life. Because it's not enough. It is not enough for us to just carry a Bible in our hand. It's it's absolutely not enough for us to carry a Bible in our hand. We've got to allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to be written on the table of our heart. Amen. It's got to be somewhere irrevocable. It's got to be somewhere it's going to lay down with me. It's going to wake up with me. It's going to go to work with me, come home with me. And so that obedience to the Word adds years to, to our lives. And it and it not only adds years to our life, but it adds life to your years. <laughs> the Word of God will add life to your years. It won't be just a mundane journey of here we go again. Secondly, we must obey the will of the Lord. In verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. I just realized that I was bragging about, if you don't have your Bible, just follow along on the screen. And I didn't give them my scriptures. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You, You left your crystal ball at home. I told you never do that on Sundays. Never do that. I just realized that. I'm sorry. So here we go again. Proverbs 3 and 8. Can I get you back? All right. Proverbs 3 and 5. The Bible says, trust in Proverbs 3 and 5. (laughs) The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Here it comes. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. He shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Amen. My Lord, acknowledge the acknowledge in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. What a promise. What a promise. If you'll just acknowledge Him, you keep God in the forefront of your life. Not somewhere in the back, but you keep God somewhere at the forefront of your life. And He will direct your path. I don't know where to turn. That's all right. He'll direct your path. I don't know what decision to make. I'll promise you this. When it is truly decision time, He'll be there. He may not be there five seconds before, but when it is decision time, He will direct thy paths. Amen. The fulfillment of that promise is all predicated upon our obedience. And we must trust Him with all our heart and trust Him in all thy ways. You see, the thing about trust is you can't partially trust someone. You can't partially trust something. Because you either trust or you don't trust. You, you can't just have a little bit of trust. 
If I only had a little bit of faith in the bridge that crosses the river at Brantford, I wouldn't cross it. Because I don't know what side the little is going to fall on. I got a lot of faith that that's going to be there. I mean, it's going to be there on the other side. And so we've got to trust Him. The word translated trust in verse number 5 in, in its literal interpretation means to lie helpless face down. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Lying helpless, trusting in the Lord. It pictures a servant just just waiting for the command of his officer. The danger, of course, is that we lean to our own understanding. And when we lean to our own understanding, we miss the will of God. Can we be honest and say that probably a lot of us have missed the will of God because we were leaning on our own understanding? So this, this now when we talk about lean not to thine own understanding and when we talk about not trusting in the arm of flesh, I think it's important to know that God is not suggesting that we just turn off our brain. Okay, And that we ignore intelligence and that we bypass common sense. It just simply cautions us not not to depend on our own wisdom nor our own experience. As a matter of fact, it's a caution not not to depend on other people's wisdom and experience. Because sometimes it's a unique journey that we're on. And the Lord is wanting to show us and reveal Himself to us. There are a couple of examples, perhaps many, but a couple that I want to bring today. In Genesis 12 is one example. Because there was a famine in the land, Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt to find food. And when they got there, because Abraham, like me, was privileged and somehow able to talk a very beautiful woman into marrying him. And I'm not in trouble, but these points cannot hurt at all. They cannot hurt at all. And so when they got into Egypt, Abraham, he panics and he realized, you know what? They're going to kill me. And they're going to marry my wife. And he said, so what we're going to do, Sarah, is you just you say you're my sister. That way we can both live. Well, he was really putting her life in a, in a great deal of jeopardy as, as well. And uh, so he's trying to work out his own plan and do his own thing and not realizing that 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 plan had a lot of potholes in it. There's a lot of problems here. Joshua 7. Joshua was a proven leader. He follows Moses in leading the children of Israel. He was a proven, not just a people person, but he was a proven leader, military leader. And so uh, they they have a few battles. They got a few trophies on their uh, on their mantle, he's got a he's got a few medals that he can hang up, and all of a sudden they says we're going to go out against AI, and hey, there will be no need to take a lot with us. We got this. Just you know, just take us a Swiss Army knife, and we're going to work it all out. And then the Lord let him know in quick fashion that you're going to need me if you're going to fight this battle. And so now they they're they're losing a battle that they should have been able to have won hands down. Amen. Because. He was trusting in the arm of flesh, not realizing that there was a deep spiritual matter. There was some wedges of gold in someone's tent. There was some deep spiritual matters that were going on him. They needed the Lord. And so we, we need to not be wise in our own eyes. Because when we are wise in our own eyes, we are headed for trouble. No matter how many times I've preached, no matter how many times you may have taught a Sunday school class, no matter how many home Bible studies you have ever taught, no matter how many times you've ever witnessed to somebody, we would be foolish to say, I got this. 
Amen. I want to find myself on my face at the daylight hour and say, Lord, I need you to go with me today. I need you to help me today. It doesn't matter that I was holding a microphone a few hours ago. It doesn't matter that I was doing that a couple of days ago. This is a new day. Amen. I don't know where the wedges of gold are today. Our silver may be. I don't know what the spiritual temperature of this of this day may be. And so I need you today. I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. The third condition that we must meet if we want God to direct our path, and that is the center of our of our lesson. That is the center of our text today. And that's verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruit of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and, the, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, I want to be real clear that there is no such thing as for a child of God. There is no such thing as spiritual things and material things. Let's just nail that down if we can real quick. There is no line of demarcation between spiritual things and material things because everything comes from God and everything belongs to God. I'm thankful for the spiritual gifts that God has given me. I'm really appreciative of the spiritual gifts that God has given me. But do you know that same God that gave me those spiritual gifts provided me with the funds to be able to drive the pickup truck that I'm driving today? And so there's no such thing as material things and spiritual things because it all belongs to God and it all came from God. Furthermore, that same God can take it all away by the strike of noon today. Amen. I don't say that to put fear or, or, or anything of that in our heart. It's just the absolute truth. Amen. That's why we make a practice to dedicate those things back to the Lord. We don't just do that because we feel like we just need one more religious rite or ritual to go through. We want to acknowledge that we wouldn't have this vehicle. We wouldn't have this child. We wouldn't have this home if it had not been for your goodness. Amen. And so I've said it many times when I talk about the things that God blesses us with. And so just let me say it again. I'm not running out of things to talk about. That's not why I'm repeating myself. Amen. I'm going to tell you that when God gives you something, you keep it as long as He wants you to have it. But here's my advice. Hold it loosely. Hold it very, very loosely. And that way it won't hurt so bad when God, or if God, reaches back down to take it back. Amen. And so I just want to thank you, Lord, for allowing me to have whatever I have for this season of my life. But can I tell you, I've known people that loved the Lord and trusted God and served Him that went through pain and peril and lost everything they had. And so I just... I'm, I'm a little bit off the interstate here today, but this this is the danger of this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, send in $100 and you're never going to have another cold. You're never going to get the flu again. Just put this little green string in the window, friend. There, There's nothing that could be more against the Word of God of that in the world. Nothing. Amen. Job walked through one of the darkest pits that a man could ever walk through. He and his wife and, and, and those around them walked through a very dark, dark time. But you know what? He just said, the Lord has given and the Lord takes away. I came into this world. I didn't even have clothes on my back. 
I didn't have shoes on my feet. And if that's how I leave this world, then that'll be up to God. Amen. But in the meantime, I'm going to love Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to hold to His unchanging hand. And I'm going to tell you some of the people that are clapping their hands today, they're not moved by the emotion of my voice. They are moved by the fact that they have walked through that valley. Amen. I've had to I've had to let it go. I've had to hold it loosely and whew, I've had to hold it loosely and let God take it away. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you friendships that I thought were in my life for life. God removed. Amen. And one day when I was feeling sorry for myself, because that has happened before, God reminded me that when Abraham was going up to the top of Mount Moriah, and God was going to forever do something spiritual, be taken by way of death. I don't mean that, but I'm going to tell you that there are friends for reasons and there are friends for seasons. Amen. And when somebody just has a season in your life, you, we can't just mourn that for the rest of our days. I've got to realize that maybe, just maybe, amen, that was a person that I needed for a season of my life, but that person can't go with me into the destiny of where God is taking me. Everything comes from God and everything belongs to God. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. My. Amen. We'll get through this weather. This is just country living. <laughs> Amen. We may have lights for a little while. Apparently we may not have some, but the preacher's here to stay. Amen. Exodus 13 and 1, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the Old Testament Jews brought the firstlings of their flock. They brought their finest. They brought the first to God. God first. God first. In Leviticus 23, they also brought the first fruit of their field. Amen. In this way, they acknowledged God's goodness and they acknowledged God's sovereignty. Amen. I, I don't want you to think this is too bizarre, but I, I remember uh, there was a time, not necessarily here, but there was a time that, that people, uh, because it was just a different era, different time, Amen. They didn't have the, the, the means that we have today. But there were people who took these passages of Scripture so serious that when they got paid on Friday, they didn't go straight home. They went to the church. And they gave their tithes and they gave their offerings. Now, I know what that sounds like in the 21st century. I, I get what that sounds like. I just sounded like a televangelist for just a little snippet there. But, but that's just where their hearts were. Then Exodus and Leviticus. And, and, and they're going to give the very first. We're going to give that to God. We're going to make sure that we get that. I'm going to tell you that through the years, I have pastored some people from that era. <laughs> 
And they didn't maybe bring their tithes and offerings on Friday. But I want to tell you, if they missed church on Sunday, they drove their family members nuts. You've got to get this to the house of God. You have got to get this to the house of God. That's a principle they live by. Amen. They acknowledge God's goodness and they acknowledge His sovereignty. Amen. And a New Testament parallel is found in that of in Matthew 6 and 33. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. If we don't faithfully give to the Lord, then we don't really trust the Lord. Amen. Can I just say that again? If we don't faithfully give to Him, then we don't faithfully trust Him or really trust Him. Amen. Of course, we need to understand that all of our giving is not just monetarily. Because we've got people here that not just in addition to their monetary giving, that's scriptural, that's biblical. Amen. They give of their time. They give of their talent. They give of their energy. They give of their abilities. And you know what? Just like God blesses bank accounts, He blesses their calendar. He blesses their clock. Amen. God blesses their mind. I promise you that God gives, amen, to those who give to Him. Amen. Our tithe and our offering is evidence of our faith and obedience. Maybe one man said it best when he said, if you give because you think it pays, it won't pay. <laughs> you don't give to get. We give because it's a biblical principle. Amen. Giving it is it, giving is heart preparation for what God is wanting to do. In Matthew 6.21, He says, where your treasure is... <laughs> Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, we all have areas of our life where, I don't know the right word to say here, but uh, we all have areas of our lives that where we are a little more conservative financially and where we're more, a little more liberal financially. I mean, there's some people that wouldn't, you know, they would think that, that uh, X number of dollars would be way too much money to pay for this, but they'd, they'd spend twice that on a rod and reel. You know what I'm saying? I need all the fishermen to stay on board. You know I'm not a fisherman, so I'm not picking. But I'm just... And then and, and, the, and the person that would pay that... That wouldn't pay that for a rod and reel, would, and they think they're just out of their mind, you know, they have some other area of their life. I don't want to start naming stuff. But you have just some other area of their, of their life. You know, if it's, a, if it's a computer, there would just be no... There'd just be no end. Because you've got to have the latest, you've got to have the greatest. And... Some people are saying, how in the world did we get on this subject? <laughs> Amen. So to continually live a blessed life, we've got to understand that, that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. You know what you tell your neighbors when you pull out of your driveway on Sunday morning? You tell them where your treasure is. Amen. You don't have to roll down the wind and hollow at them, holler at them. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to put something on the, the side of your door. Amen. To, to to try to condemn or convict them. You're telling the world where your treasure is. Amen. When you're in church on Wednesday night, you're telling the world where your treasure is. My treasure is right here. When you're when you're at home and you're den and you could be doing other things, but you've got your Bible open in your lap and you're reading the Word of God, not because you're trying to check off a box beside that scripture you're telling hell where your treasure is amen if i'm going to continue to live a blessed life then i've got to honor the lord with my blessings contrary 
uh, to the society that we live in, the accepted philosophies of, of our world today where it's man first, me, 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 me. Step on whoever we can in a very humanistic hour. I'm going to tell you this day that God is wanting us to put Him first. Amen. Put the work of God first. And I promise you He will take care of all of the rest. Amen. If I, I, I believe with all my heart that I am speaking to people that have put your last five dollars in an offering. Amen. I don't mean the last five dollars you had in your wallet. I mean the last five dollars you had in your offering, in the offering, and the Lord just made a way where you thought there would be no way. Amen. Some, I'm going to tell you, sometimes God works His best up at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yes, He does. I don't know if I have another time. I don't know if I have an hour that I can devote to that. I don't know if I could go by there on Thursday afternoon and have time to do that job at the church. But you know what? If you'll give that to God, God works. He does His finest work. When you are at the end of the end, that's where God does His finest work. Praise God. And so we need to confess that He is Lord. We need to say, You are my everything. Not just sing it, but live it. You are my everything. You are my all. Amen. We've got to do what God has asked us to do. Now, the Lord wants to wash away our sins. But there's something we've got to do about that. He longs to wash away the sin of mankind. But that can only be accomplished if we obey His command to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins. God always places mankind in a proactive position. The Scripture says, Ask, and it shall be given. But you see, it put me proactive. It put me at the head of the line. The Bible says, Seek, and you shall find. Amen. The Bible says, Knock, and it shall be opened. I, and you and I, are always placed in that proactive position. We must do what we must do if we are going to get God to do what He desires to do. Amen. God has great plans, can I tell you? But He is bound to operate within the perimeter and the boundaries that He has already established. Amen. There is no finer example of this than the, the illustration of the rich man in hell when he lifted up his eyes, Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Amen. He said, Lord, if you could just dip your finger, but there's a chasm, there's a gap, there's a, there's a, I can't get across there, but if you could just send somebody to my brothers and tell them, and, and emphatically the Lord said, they have, uh, they have Abraham. They have Moses and the prophets. And he said if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, then they wouldn't hear the one were raised from the dead. What are you saying? I'm saying that God has a plan in place and He's not going to circumvent that plan for you. He's not going to circumvent that plan for me. He said they have Moses and they have the prophets. And if they want it, it's going to have to come by the way of that venue. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Exodus, God demonstrated His sovereignty by taking the lives of the Egyptian firstborn males. He did this because Pharaoh had refused to submit to his rule. At the same time, God required all of the Israelite families to give God their very best lamb as a sacrifice to Him. And those who obediently observed this first Passover meal had no idea. They had no idea what they were setting in motion. So the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. This kind of sounds bizarre. But this is what I want you to do. But when they obeyed the Lord...
Can I tell you that they triggered one of the greatest emancipations in human history? This doesn't make sense. That's all right. Just do it. And this would certainly foreshadow the ultimate deliverance of humankind, which was the emancipation of all believers through the death of Jesus Christ, who was the Lamb of God. So in giving God our best, we release Him to bless every part of our life. Please, don't give God leftovers. Amen. We should give our very best to God. We should do our very best for God. Amen. Not to showboat, not to, not to display our, our own human ability, but we should give God our very best. He's deserving of our very best. God did not ask the Israelites to give their best lamb in order to take advantage of them. That's not what it was all about. He asked for their best because when you do that, it triggers something in the in the heart of God to, to release things in our lives. The fifth chapter of the book of 2 Kings gives a clear example of God holding someone to this principle. So here's a man by the name of Naaman who was the army commander for a man by the name of Aram. He, approached, he was approached by a little servant girl um, that had that was just a handmaid in their house. She was a slave, as, to be honest with you. But she knew about Elijah the prophet. And so she went to Naaman's wife and said, if my Lord could just get to Elisha, then the Lord of Elisha will would heal him. And she started talking about this healing power of God. And Naaman was a leper, so desperate for healing and so Elisha promised Naaman that he would be healed. All you need to do is just dip yourself seven times in Jordan's River. And Naaman did what a lot of us do. <laughs> because the Lord has asked something that we feel is out of bounds. This doesn't make sense. I remember one time um, we were in, in, in the church in Eagle Lake and they had altar benches there, three, uh, three of them, if memory serves me correctly. Three of them. And there was one in the center. And uh, we were down there praying. And, and, and Brother Tumman told me, he said, The Lord spoke to me and said for you to walk around this altar, this center altar, seven times. So I walked around the altar seven times. No lightning. No angels. I don't know what happened. But something happened. Something released in my heart on that seventh time. Now, I could have easily not done that. It looked a little silly. Pride could have kept me away. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that when Naaman finally gave in and went down in the water, when he came up the seventh time, the Bible says that he had skin as a newborn baby. I think that's pretty phenomenal because if if Naaman, let's just use round numbers, if Naaman was 50 years old, he didn't just come up with healed 50-year-old skin. <laughs> 
Amen. Naaman had been reskinned. <laughs> yes, he did. Amen. Because God wanted Naaman and everybody that ever met Naaman to know that not only does he not have leprosy, he doesn't have the scar of leprosy. He doesn't have anything that ever indicated he had been down this path. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God, when we obey Him, it just triggers something in the kingdom of God. It sets something free. It sets something loose in the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you today, when we put God first, Amen, go ahead, come on to church. Amen, go ahead and be there. Amen, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this, if you if you have to try to figure out the reasons not to be in church, there's a spiritual problem. Amen. What we ought to be doing is figuring out the reasons how we can get to church. Amen. There, there is the two pieces of the puzzle. Amen. If we're sitting around our house and the, the devil just packing everything in our mind, this reason, that reason, this reason, that reason, whether they're legitimate or not legitimate, amen, we need to understand that the enemy is trying to keep us away from something and he doesn't just do that to just one little element of the church. He doesn't just do that to new converts. He doesn't just do that uh, to just a select few. I want to tell you not long ago it was a men's conference and I had so much going on. No more than anybody else but I had so much going on. I was just exhausted mentally and physically and emotionally and I just thought you know I just don't think I had a conscious thought. I just don't think that I'm going to go to the men's conference. I've got this to do and I've got that to do and you know what all of a sudden it dawned on me and said wait a minute Wait, wait just a minute Amen. There, I, this is spiritual warfare right here. Amen. I, this is spiritual warfare. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I've got to be there. I've got to be there. Because now I feel like that the devil's trying to keep me away from something. Amen. So I'm going to be there and I'm going to be front and center because I am going to put God first. Amen. I'm not, I'm testifying. I'm not boasting. Amen. I'm going to tell you there have been times we've missed that. All of us have missed that train at some time or another. But when you're, when the devil's trying to convince you of all the reasons to stay home, that's the, that is the time that you need to stand and call that meeting to order and say, as of right now, this meeting is adjourned. <laughs> We're not discussing this anymore. Whenever you're trying to talk, the devil's trying to talk you out of all the reasons you ought to be praying or that you ought to fast or that you ought to Read your word of the Lord. Amen. Those are the times to say, wait a minute. I need to put God first. I need to put Him first. Praise God. Musicians, if you'll come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God has given us a lot of things to help us remember. Amen. There are many, many ways we can acknowledge God's Lordship in our lives. For for example, beginning each, each day with prayer. You know what? That reminds us that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I don't know what this day will hold. And so I want to begin with prayer. When we are involved in praise and worship, that that reminds us that God is above our problems. That God is above our problems. That reminds us that God is still in charge. And so here's what happens. These habits and Pardon me for wearing this word out. But these habits trigger things in, in our life. It triggers the blessings of God in our life. When He is exalted, we are blessed. And the bottom line is that when we put God first, 
Amen. Putting God first puts us in the flow of His blessing. There's an obvious, I think, cause and effect relationship being conveyed here. And we're here at our text. God wants to fill our barns. (laughs) But that only comes as a result of honoring Him. Honoring Him. And I do not believe that we should give to get. But God does bring benefits into our lives. And you know what? I'm not going to explain them away. If God has blessed you, then God bless you. I don't think we should try to have to explain away something that God blessed us with. Amen. I I can't apologize for what the Lord has done in our lives. But here, if we cheat in this area, we cheat ourselves. Because you see, honoring God with our first fruit, it affects our entire demeanor. It guards us against selfishness. I don't answer this and don't even look guilty. But have you ever felt led to give something and then all of a sudden you're You know, in a moment she's like, <laughs> I ask you not to look guilty. I ask you kindly. I just feel led to give $100 and you open your wallet and you're going... Amen. Sometimes you need to go ahead and do that. You know why? Because that breaks the back of selfishness. You say, well, you know what, devil? Now I'm going to give 200. <laughs> you, you don't have one afternoon to go to the work, church and work. Well, now I'm going to give two afternoons. Because giving breaks the back of selfishness. Every now and then, no matter who says, I got the check, I got the check, you need to get the check. Because that will break the back of selfishness. And don't just wait till you're at Crystal's to do that. Let's all stand. I'm, I'm meandering now. <laughs> There's only one way to deal with selfishness. You got to you you got to cut it off at the root. And since it pleases God, then He blesses us in ways that perpetuate more honor and more thankfulness. And Amen. When you put God first, it just works. It just works. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Can we do that and just thank God for His Word? I love you today, Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we find in you today, Lord. Thank you for the strength that we find. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 386- 386 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 386- 
935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.